Show you my weakness. 
with someone yesterday and we were talking about some of the challenges of living and being with family when we don't always agree with one another. And we are talking about this and as we were talking we named that so often we can't see how someone else thinks or feels. We often think only through our own lens and we believe that everybody should believe the same thing we do. Mindful of that, I was thinking as we were singing this song that God is one who turns graves into gardens, who takes our failures and flaws and all of our myopic and selfish views and can transform them when we confess our sins. So this morning, we are going to take part in an ancient practice of confession through some of the words on the screen, and I invite you to join me as we pray together. God of love and justice. We long for peace in this world and within ourselves. We long for harmony in our families, for serenity in the midst of struggle. We long for the day when our homes will be with a place for your love. Yet we confess that we are often anxious. We do not trust each other, and we harbor violence. We are not willing to take the risks and make the sacrifices that love requires. Look upon us with kindness and grace. Rule in our homes and in all the world. Show us how to walk in your way. 
Through the mercy of our Savior, amen. My friends, the good news of the gospel is that whenever we confess our sin and name our faults before God, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Let us live as a forgiven people. brothers in Christ, the peace of Christ be with you. Would you share a sign of that peace with the people around you? Peace. Peace. And you may be seated. Good morning, church. The Lord be with you. 
so glad to gather with you again for worship this morning, as is our habit on Sunday mornings, and we are glad to have you here, whether you have been here for many, many weeks and years, or whether you are among us for, for perhaps among the first times. We're glad to have you, and including the group that may be with us online this morning. Welcome to worship. My name is Ross Dealman, one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, and together it is our mission to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. There happens to be a person in our midst this morning who has lived, embodied that mission longer than others, and uh, we want to celebrate him this morning. Pastor Nate, would you join me up front? And JB, the Reverend Most Righteous Holy One, the long title, <laughs> self-proclaimed, of course, <laughs> would you join us up on stage, please? <laughs> Uh, to celebrate with this man. Um, man, got me a little caught off guard there. Um, 20 years is a long time to serve as a pastor at one church. I mean, a long time. And in, in Olympic speak, this is gold medal worthy. And yeah. we actually had a gold medal ceremony for JB 20 years ago. Check this out. Look at these pictures. Fellowship Church celebrates 20 years of ministry with the Reverend Ramirez Holy Righteous Jim Barr. <laughs> There's his family. They looked a little bit different uh, back then. The one who looks the most different is me. Yes. <laughs> this is a little different. How did that change? Uh, so, but this morning we have the opportunity to celebrate not just one gold ceremony, but two golds for 40 years of ministry. JB has served you and us, with us, faithfully uh, by loving and caring for us, by encouraging us, by walking alongside of us through the most difficult of times, and has uh, seek, sought to do that uh, with the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, I, I, I can't help but think of a man that has served a place better than Jim Barr. There's only one person that might have his uh, ha have a record or similar to JB. Yeah. Right, Ross? That's right. I mean, this is a person you know and love as well, Eugene Peterson. And he is the one who makes this great case for a long stay in one particular place. And you have known that and especially lived it, where you have gotten to know one particular place, and as Peterson would say, you want to know Fellowship Church and keep on knowing it. Hmm. That's what JB has done in our midst, and it is an inspiration to pastors like Nate and I and an entire gift to the Fellowship family. So thanks be to God for that. So, Ross, I thought maybe for four decades of um, ministry at Fellowship Church, we should get JB four gift cards. Fitting. What do you think? I think we should do that. What, when you think of JB coming into church on a Sunday morning, what do you think of first? No question. He is carrying a cup of coffee from that place called McDonald's. So, JB, we have a gift card for you to McDonald's that will cover your, at least with the senior citizen discount, you'll have coffee for at least the next year uh, for Sunday mornings to cover you for coffee uh, here at Fellowship Church. Pastor Nate, for the next one, if you were to encounter JB and there was a pile of coupons falling out of his pocket because he <laughs> intends to share them with others, where would those coupons be to? Well, yes. Yeah, I, we, we don't even need to answer <laughs> these even questions, Ross. They knew McDonald's <laughs> and they also know Russ's, of course. So you will have a gift card and, you know, fittingly that two you know, dudes forgot to bring the actual package to give right, to you this right. morning, <laughs> you know. Uh, it would so have been we, pretty if it wasn't just you and I, you know, yeah. right? <laughs> but we do have this in the office that we'll bring to you. But we have a gift card for you to uh, supply you with breakfast for a while at Russ's for your Tuesday morning group. Wow. Ross, uh, so Sunday morning he comes to uh, worship with coffee. Tuesdays he goes to Russ's with his fellas and all the coupons. What does he do on Fridays? Well, he goes golfing, of course. Not just golfing, but what does he do before <laughs> He's golfing? He's got to get the treats before from none other than DeBoer. DeBoer Bakery. So we got him a gift card to DeBoer Bakery to supply him with treats and breakfast before he goes to play golf every Friday with his cronies. Uh, and not only that, but we'll also give you a gift card, not just to DeBoer, but to Mac Legends, so that when the weather turns, you can keep playing golf all winter at the golf simulator because some birdie told us that that's a, a favorite yeah. of yours. Good. 
Does that that's sound all right? Advanced technology, JB. That's, uh, I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> you do that alongside your flip phone, right? <laughs> We're grateful for JB's ministry with Among Us, and I can't help but think that you also are grateful for the ways in which JB has uh, been a part of us. And so let's uh, give it up for our friend, yeah. Jim Barr. Otherwise, everybody online can't hear so you. This you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. This means that you guys are going to stick around for 40 years, right? <laughs> the bar has been set. It's a pretty high bar. High bar. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a joy uh, and a blessing to share ministry and life with uh, Fellowship Church for all of these years. And I was at a wedding yesterday, and the couple picked a verse that was a verse that was very special to me mm -hmm. from Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. That's been an important verse in my life. It was an important verse for Petra Bronius and her uh, husband-to-be, Danny. But it's an important verse for Fellowship Church, too. Fellowship Church has been blessed in beautiful and wonderful ways. And I think it's because we have a confidence that the Lord is there and uh, he will be with us wherever we go. And I just pray that that will continue for many more years in the future. Hmm. Here, here. So if you want to celebrate and say a word to JB, we're going to have a little birthday cake because, you know, you're 40 today. And we're grateful for that. <laughs> Thanks be to God, JB. Thank you, JB. And uh, we know that many of you could share story after story of the way that he has shaped and impacted your life and maybe walked alongside you in hard times as he's done for us as well. So thank you, JB. A few other details in our life together. And in fact, I'm going to uh, let the kids sneak out at this time. You can sneak out while I'm doing a few other announcements. Kids ages three to five can go find Miss Betsy and Miss Emily and join your thing out there. Uh, uh, we also want to celebrate something that's new in our midst. We have John Cochran in the back, and usually sound people don't want us to draw any attention to them, but today I want to simply acknowledge that he is our new tech team director, and we are super grateful for him to serve us in that way as he has a steep learning curve and learning all of the things that help this uh, to be audible and visual to all of you and including the online community. So welcome aboard, John, and we're glad to have you. Yeah, you can, you can do that. A few other things about the upcoming next two Sundays. Next Sunday is uh, August 15, and we have a few listening sessions scheduled. We've had some changes in our worshiping life together through the pandemic era, and we would love to hear from you how you were experiencing it and more. And so that ha those services will be, uh, or listening sessions will be in the youth center before and after both services. And so... Times are printed in your bulletin, so I won't overwhelm you with the numbers right now, but just take a look there and mark your calendar for next Sunday. You're welcome to join that, uh, August 15. The following Sunday, August 22, and I don't want to admit how far that means we'll be into summer by that time, but August 22 is our uh, final outdoor service of the summer. So also mark your calendars for that. We'll be outdoors, bring a chair, bring a blanket, invite a friend. We'll have one common service at 9.30 in the great outdoors, the first sanctuary, if you will. So we'll, uh, we'll join together for that. Last but not least, I want to invite forward our guest preacher this morning. We have a familiar face, I think, to many of you to bring the word. This is uh, Pastor Reverend Marlon This, and he is a longstanding veteran RCA pastor. He has lived in the Holy Land and led many trips there. Most recently, he's been on loan to our uh, neighbor church, Beachwood, helping them with their care ministry. Yep. In fact, it's been, you've been there most of the time I've been here. Yep. And 
Uh, and yeah, he's, he's recently back in our midst, and we're very eager to hear the word of the Lord. And Thanks, you Ross. This morning. So thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Can I pray for you before Please. you lead us? Please. Pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks this morning, and especially for your servant, Marlon Viss, for all that you've made him to be by nature and by grace, and for his willingness and his eagerness to open your word with us this morning and share it. We ask that you would anoint him uh, to bring a word from you to your people. May all of his words be pleasing in your sight and edifying to us and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ross. So I want to um, read to you um, the first um, eight verses of Romans 12, and then I'm going to end this message by reading to you the rest of it. And I'm going to read the last part without commentary. I'm going to talk a little bit about the first part. It is good to be back. I don't want to take a lot of time talking about that because they haven't given me a lot of time this morning. <laughs> and rightfully so. They got more important things going on than this. I get that. And, and I'm perfectly okay with that. JB's honoring is, is um, a high priority for you and should be. By the way, I have like between 12 and 18 minutes. Um, so, Scott, when it gets to be 12 minutes, touch your nose. Generally, that's my wife's job, but she'll be at second service, so then I'll land the plane after that. My family is betting against whether I can do this in that amount of time. The odds are 10 to 1 against. So, hear God's word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your logical worship. The text is spiritual, but the word in Greek is, means logical, and I'm going to come back to that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, says Paul, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the standard of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function or the same role, so we who are many are one in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, teaching in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to talk just a few minutes about identity because that's a big word right now. Maybe you've heard it too. We have identity politics. We have identity marketing, which has been going on for a long time, but now we're talking about these things. Um, and I want to talk about Jesus and uh, his identity, and then Paul and his identity. Jesus' identity in the time that he lived would have been that he was Jesus from Nazareth or Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth was a small village um, located uh, above the most important highway traveling uh, east to west or west to east, depending on what direction you were coming from. And Nazareth was located right over that. So the world literally passed right underneath Nazareth, but Nazareth is up on a cliff. It was a very conservative place. It was a settlement town. If you want to think about modern times, these were settlers. They were there during what was called the Hasmonean period, which was a period in history when they were re-Judaizing Galilee. And they did that. That was accomplished by the time of Jesus. Galilee was once again Jewish, and the Greeks were in ten cities. They were kind of apartheid, in a sense, in, in ten cities. And Galilee was Judaized, and it was conservative. Still is today, by the way. And there's a different dialect in Galilee than there is in the south. All of these things 
were a part of Jesus' identity. Remember, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was a no-nothing town. But it was a conservative place, a settler place. And maybe you remember that from Jesus' first sermon in Luke 4, where he speaks against this settler movement and lifts up Gentiles as a part of it, and they're going to throw him off a cliff. So when others outside who didn't know Jesus identified him, they identified him by location and connected his location to his worldview and to how he felt about a lot of things. When Jesus self-identified, he never used king as an identifier. He accepted being called Lord, but he never called himself Lord. When Jesus self-identified, he was son. He was friend. He was teacher. In his self-identification, it was relational. And that's terribly important, I think. Then you have Paul or Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus was outside. It was in the diaspora, so it was in the part they, they, were, uh, they were not living in Palestine, in Israel proper, in Judea. They were living outside. And Tarsus was a Roman Greek town. And Saul or Paul, by the way, Paulus is just Saul in Greek. There's no, no name change that happened there. It's his name, just like Jesus is, is Greek for Joshua, Yeshua. He was called Joshua growing up, not Jesus. Our term is Greek term. So Saul was from outside of the country, and that mattered. And one of the reasons, and so when he was identified, he was identified as what? Saul or Paul of Tarsus, because where he was from identified him to people who didn't know him. He was from Tarsus, therefore he's a Roman citizen, therefore he was more liberal, he was less Jewish, he was more Greek. All of that was the identification of Jews in the Holy Land or in the land of Israel toward him. So one of the reasons he's so zealous is because he's trying to prove, no, I'm not that, I really am one of you. And later he has trouble validating his apostleship, his authority, with Jews who lived in the land. By the way, later, just a few years, 50 or so years after Jesus' crucifixion, rabbis or teachers would say of people who would not move back to Israel, not move back to Judea, not move back to the land except to be buried there, which is still common practice, they would say of them, if you won't bring your living body here, don't plant your decaying body here. So, but when Paul identified himself, when he self-identified, he self-identified as a Jew among Jews, a Pharisee among Pharisees of the school of Gamaliel. He wanted us to know. He wanted people to know this is who he was. He was a Jew. And there was no intent by Jesus or Jew to start a new religion. That happened later. So, identification. You know, when, when I say I, when I went to seminary and I said I was from Northwest Iowa, there was an immediate view of who I was. And if I'm somewhere else and I say I'm from Southwest Michigan, there's an immediate identification of who people think I am, and you too. If I say I'm an evangelical Christian to somebody who doesn't know anything about Christianity, there's a distinction of who I am. If I self-identify, that may be different. Okay, so that's the long and important part. The rest is going to go a little more quickly, I hope. Otherwise, we're in trouble. So I'm trying, what I want you to understand is that Paul's a Jewish, and he comes at things Jewish. He's not trying to start a new religion. He's not doing this off the cuff. Everything he does is, is rooted in his upbringing, in his teaching by Gamiel and others. He's not trying to do anything except 
proclaim that he has met the risen Lord and that he knows the resurrection is real and that this ought to be important and this can be a part of Judaism and he wants other Jews to come along with him in this journey and he wants to include us in this because it's that big for Paul. It's just that big. But he's Jew and he thinks like a Jew. And that's what this first part is about. It's temple. When you bring a sacrifice to the temple, it's alive, not dead. It's a living sacrifice. And when you give it to the Lord, it then belongs to the Lord. Now, the metaphor breaks down because of what happens after, right? You know? But Paul is saying, look, it's logical that you serve with your bodies. It's logical because in Christ, you are a living sacrifice to God, meaning you belong to God. You are God's child, God's person. And so it is logical that you serve God with yourself and with your resources. That's logical. It's reasonable to Paul as a Jew. That's logical. Now, how that plays out, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because I don't have that time, but so then you have that next part. Are you with me? Are we okay? You have that next part where Paul says you ought not think of yourself more highly than you think of others. That's a basic tenet of Judaism. Humility is number one in Judaism. Humility. My mother used to say my mother's birthday was Friday. She'd have been 97. I've been thinking about her all weekend. She was, she was a good person, a really good person, gentle and kind and sweet, and a little messed up in some ways. She used to say, if you have to brag about yourself, you don't have much to brag about. I remember once when I was in my 30s and I was just starting to preach and I was in my brother's church in Des Moines, Iowa and I was preaching. My mom and dad were there and I got done and I went into the lobby and my mom was there with my daughter who at that time was 9 or 10. And my daughter said to my mom, wasn't daddy great this morning? Didn't he really do a good job? And mom said, well, he was okay. <laughs> and my daughter said, Grandma, he was great. He was great. And she says, shh, you'll give him a big head. Amen. This verse is important to my mom. Now, that went too far because then you end up thinking less of yourself than you ought. And that happened to a lot of us, and we can't do enough to prove that we're worthy. That's not good either. But where are we at today where bragging is not just tolerated, it's celebrated. Where is humility in the Christian community today with who we elevate? We've lost that. We got to refine that. Amen? So I want to move now to uh, my closing. And um, I want to talk a little bit about Julian of Norwich. Have you heard about her? Julian of Norwich. She uh, lived in the late 14th century and the early 15th century. She was born in 1873. She died, I think, around... Uh, I'm sorry, she lived in 1373, was born. She died somewhere in 1415, 1416. She was a mystic. She lived during the 100-year war between France and Great Britain. In her lifetime, in her lifetime, um, there we go, in her lifetime it was the bubonic plague and black death, which took half of the population. She lived during a pandemic, and she isolated herself, by the way. She was a mystic. She isolated herself. She was the, uh, her book, uh, on Divine Love, it's entitled, is the uh, oldest surviving book written in English by a woman. <laughs> She's a pretty big deal. And um, 
she, um, she was in the midst of all this suffering and death and everything was negative and the mood of the, of the, of the country during that time was, everything was dark and doom and gloom and and people were saying, this is our punishment. This is the judgment of God. This is God's wrath upon us. And Julian of Norwich said, no, that's not God. God doesn't do that. And she talked about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship, going back to Jesus' self-identification. There was a relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit, Counselor. That's how Jesus talked about the Spirit, Counselor, relationship, relational. They were relational to one another. And then he ta she talked about the community, how, how we relate to one another. We, we are one with another, which is what Paul is saying here, yeah? Yeah? That the strength, she was saying, that we, we have love and we have hope because we have relationships with one another in the community of faith. How's that going in the Christian community right now, sisters and brothers? How are we doing in that regard? Come on, not well. It's a scandal. Isn't it? We can do better is what I've come to say this morning. Julie of Norwich said to her people, we can do better. We can hold on to one another. We can lift up one another. We can exhort one another. We can care for one another. And so I want to read this. This is why I brought this up here. This is from her book. And then I'm going to close by reading the, the end of that scripture. How am I doing, Scott? my own time. Um, she says, and in this he, meaning God, this is a vision she had, showed me a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut lying in the palm of my hand as it seemed. And it was as round as any ball. I looked upon it with the eye of my understanding and thought, what may this be? And it was answered generally thus, it is all that is made. It is all that is made. I marveled how it might last, for I thought it might suddenly have fallen to nothing for its littleness. And I was answered in my understanding, it lasts and ever shall, for God loves it. And so have all things their beginning by the love of God. Now, I'm coming to the reason I quoted all of that. This is it right here. This is the message I want to bring to you today. In this little thing, she writes, I saw three properties. The first is that God made it. The second is that God loves it. And the third is that God keeps it. And we might say that about every single person ever was, is, or ever will be. First, God made me. Second, God loves me. Third, God keeps me. Julian's famous prayer is this, and all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Why, Julian? Speak to us from the grave, sister. Because God made you, God loves you, and God keeps you. And therefore what? All will be well, and all will be well, and all will be well.
So, brothers and sisters, let me end now then with the rest of Romans 12, and I'm not going to comment on any of it. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to immigrants. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for God's vengeance, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will replace, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for um, this community that we can be together and think about things that matter, things about things we don't think about every day and uh, challenge one another and be challenged by your word and by your example. So, Jesus, we pray that your spirit might infuse us with your grace and your power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand and let's join our voices in worshiping the one who is worthy of all of our praise and on whose life and love we build our lives.
You may be seated. Friends, in the spirit of what Marlon has just preached, we remember this morning that this is a table at which Jesus gathered with his friends. It happened in a certain place at a certain time, and this table has ever since been an identity-marking and an identity-making kind of table for us. We come to this table in order to be who we are, and we come to this table remembering Jesus the host of this table, remembering who he was, how he lived, what he taught, that he died and rose from the dead. We come remembering Jesus. We come expecting communion with Jesus, the host of the table, but also with Christians all around the world, celebrating our fellowship with them, and with Christians throughout the ages, grateful for their witness. We come to this table expecting communion, and we come to this table with hope. Hope that everything this table represents for us now in small part will be so for us and for all forever. So we come to this table in remembrance, in communion, and in hope. Let's pray. Holy and right it is and our joyful duty to give thanks to you, O God, for you have given you have given in the form of the created order and all that is within and outside of us. You have given in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who lived and died and rose again so that we too might have life. And you have given in the form of your Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the one that walks alongside of us and beside us and before us and behind us, reminding us of who you are. Oh God, you have made us, you have loved us, and you are the one who keeps us. So might you be with us in a unique way as we gather around this table to celebrate you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. At Fellowship Church, when we celebrate communion, we say that all who love God and are learning to follow Jesus are invited to this table, for this is the Lord's table and he is the host. On the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup, the cup of redemption. And he said, This cup is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. I'd like to invite you to take the bread. The bread which we break is our communion with the body of Jesus Christ. And also the cup. I invite you to make ready of it. I hear it already out there. Friends, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks that we can gather at this table, that you have welcomed us here, that we can be here together and be reminded at this table who we are, your people, and to look to your son Jesus and all of his benefits made readily available to us and represented by this table. Thank you for this time together. We ask that as we go from this place this morning that our lives would be living sacrifices to you, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's join our voices together once more.
In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Feel the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross. Even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus for our sake you died. Sing together, praise the Father. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored and the church of Christ was born then the spirit lived a flame now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel shall not faint by his blood and in his name in his freedom I am free, for the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. My friends, we have been fed at the table, we have been fed by God's Word, and we have been fed by worshiping together in community. And may we take the uh, Word of God this morning, this morning that was offered to us to love one another and live in community more fully uh, to heart. And as we go, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.